Our perspective can have an incredible impact on the way in which we handle things. In the middle of this hardship, it's been incredible to hear the stories of hope that have been coming from people. Your stories. The stories of you in the community trying to serve, trying to help other people, trying to offer hope, and having positive outlooks even in the middle of this time of uncertainty. And it's all because of your perspective. It's because of your relationship with Jesus that you are able to have hope and to spread that hope in the middle of our community. Perspective can have a huge impact on what we do with our lives and how we react to different situations. I remember the first time I went to this city when I was in school in Philadelphia. A group of friends of mine who were from Chambersburg were all in different schools around the city, and we decided to get together and to go to a concert that was happening. We went to this concert, and it ended around midnight, and then I went, and as I was driving, um, dropped the different guys off at their different schools, and eventually got to the point where it was just me and one other guy, and he was like, hey, let's stop and grab a burger from this burger place that was in the middle of the city. I'm like, sure, why not? I'm kind of hungry. Let's get some food. So we stop and we get our uh, burgers. And as I'm getting back into the car and as I'm kind of fiddling with my keys to get them into the ignition, my friend starts going, lock the doors, lock the door, lock the door, lock the door, lock the door. And as he was getting more excited with this, I look out the window and see this guy just full out sprinting up to my car. He starts wailing on my window going, hey, 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 he's banging on this window. I'm like frozen staring at this guy thinking, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? I watch as the man reaches into his jacket like this, and then he pulls out a stick of deodorant. It says two for five dollars. <laughs> Well, I said, no, thank you. I pulled off. Both of us were in this place of fear because we expected him to be pulling out a gun or some other crazy situation that we were going to experience there. And our fear in that situation, as it turned out, was completely unfounded. In fact, it was completely based off of our perspective. The things that I could see were informing what I thought might happen. In some ways, that is what this series Refocus is all about. It's about learning to shift our perspective. It's learning to shift the focus of our lives so that we have the correct things in focus. So that the things that God wants us to be focused on are front and center in our lives. We've been talking about God's path to greatness being rooted in humility and how our lives need to be refocused in that direction. Today, we are going to look at how the focus of our perspective matters, especially when it comes to a relationship with Jesus. A lot of us walk through life believing a false perspective. Most of us live by this thing fairly regularly, and sometimes we do so even when we know better. If you were to do a Google search of Americans' belief in the afterlife, you would find a, a number of articles ranging from the past 20 years, and a lot of them come to the same conclusion, that about 80% of the American people still believe in an afterlife. And the vast majority of those believe that that afterlife is heaven. When you ask most people the question, do you know if you're going to heaven? They're going to answer, I hope so. I hope so. When you ask that question to a lot of people, that's the answer. And if you follow up with, well, why do you hope so? The answer is almost always, well, I try and be a good person. I hope that it's enough. 
See, the truth is, no amount of doing good things will ever earn us a way into heaven. No amount of being a good person is ever going to be enough. It is only through a relationship with Jesus, only through believing that he is the son of God, that he died on the cross because we aren't able to be good enough on our own. It's only by choosing to believe and to follow him with all of our lives that we are ever able to truly know where we're going. Even when we have a relationship with Jesus, though, it is so easy for us to fall into the trap of this thinking. It's so easy for us to think that we need to work, we need to do good things in order to deserve a relationship with Jesus. Sometimes the opposite also occurs. Sometimes we decide to follow Jesus and we choose to believe he's the son of God. We choose to accept his sacrifice and then we just go back to life the way it always was. We do things the exact same way we always did, except now maybe we go to church every once in a while just to keep God happy. See, I call this collecting our fire insurance. See, since we now have a relationship with Jesus, now that we know that we're delivered from hell, now that we know that we've made that choice, we can just kind of forget about it. We can just kind of forget about it and just go through life how it has always been, doing everything that we always did. We need to learn to refocus our perspective if we fall into either of these camps. Paul, when he writes his letter to the church in Philippi, actually had to deal with a very similar issue of helping people refocus on what God wanted their lives to look like. Today, we're going to be continuing our journey in the book of Philippians. We're going to be in Philippians 2. And last week, we looked at how the humility of Jesus and his sacrifice of the cross and his ex exaltation in his resurrection, our celebration of Easter Sunday, is what gives us the opportunity to have a relationship with him, to experience true and meaningful life. In Jesus' death and resurrection, he can give us life when we choose to follow him. It's not about being good people but it is about the sacrifice that Jesus made for our sakes and having a relationship with him. That is how we find true and eternal life with Jesus. Well, Paul continues from this train of thought as we pick the, we pick the passage up here in Philippians 2 verse 12. Um, the passage is linked in the description of this video if you want to follow along at home, but we're picking up here Philippians 2 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but, more, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Let's break this down a little bit as we dive into it. Verse 12, once again, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. Paul continues this section. He says, therefore, he's reminding the people of everything that just came before this, the first chapter and the beginning of this chapter of Philippians. He says, and he's reminding the people of who God is, who Jesus is. The past 11 verses were all about recognizing Jesus as the son of God and his act of humility to the point of death on the cross, all in submission to the father, where he is then elevated through his resurrection. 
So what Paul is saying here, therefore, in light of who God is, and he continues on, my beloved, he wants to make sure that he, the people of Philippi know, I love you guys, and I want to tell you something that is in your best interest. He's letting them know, I care for you, and that's why I say these things. Because what he's about to say is kind of hard to swallow. He says, in light of who God is, my beloved, obey. He says, be obedient as you were obedient. Life as a believer is about obeying what Jesus wants for our lives. Paul says, you obeyed me fine when I was with you. But now that I am not, it's even more important for you to live obediently. So Paul says, my beloved, obey, and then continues, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your salvation. Notice, Paul does not say work for your salvation. Once again, you cannot earn your salvation. No amount of being good, no amount of doing good is ever going to be the thing that saves you. In fact, Paul foresaw that we would misunderstand this because in verse 13 he continues, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work his good pleasure. He says, remember, it is God in you, it's not yourselves that saves you. It's not about earning a relationship with God. In fact, what Paul is saying here, it's about living out a relationship with God. Paul says, work out your salvation. You are now saved. You are now in a new category. Your relationship with Jesus is what saves you. Paul is saying, how does this play out in your life? Now that you are saved, how does, how does this impact the way you use your money? How does this impact the way you do your job? How does this impact the way you raise your kids? How does this impact the the way you navigate your relationships in life? How does this impact the way you use your body? How does this impact the way that you think? This is what he's saying. He's saying to work out your salvation is how does salvation change the way in which you live every single moment of your life? Now that you have been changed, now that you are saved, how is your salvation applied to every part of your life? How is your life lived in obedience to Jesus? Paul then uses these two words, two words that are hard for us to hear. He says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. See, we work in Western society very hard to not think of God with these words. We don't want to think of God with this idea of fear, this idea of trembling. That's old school stuff. That's fire and brimstone stuff. That is not the way that we want to view God. We want to look at God as a safe God. We want to see God as somebody that we actually can have some control over. In fact, we want to see a God that isn't inconvenient to what we want. We want a safe God. But does a God who sends his own son to die on the cross sound like a safe God? When you read the Old Testament, when you see all of these stories of who God is, 
Do they paint a picture of a safe God? No, they don't. One of the stories that we tell our children all the time, a very well-known Bible story, is the story of Noah's Ark. At the base of this story is God wiping out all of mankind because they have been wicked. That's not a safe God. Throughout the Bible, when people come in contact with God, their response is to fall on their face, to tremble, and to be afraid. This is the response to being with God. It's fear and trembling. Psalm 111 verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I think this is what Paul is trying to tell us here, is this very verse. He's trying to tell us that our perception of the God of the universe should impact our obedience to him. It should drive us to work out our salvation in every single part of our lives. See, without this starting point, I don't think that we can really understand Not really who God is. If we only focus on the things that we like about God, we're not really following him. We're following some imagined version of him that we've created in our minds. The initial response to everyone who comes in contact with the God of the universe is to fall on their faces in fear and in worship. And then, when that has happened, then, God says, fear not. God says, fear not. In Revelation 1, when John falls at the feet of God, it says, as if he were dead. When John falls down at the feet of God, Jesus' first words to him are, fear not. Not. It's only by coming to the place of recognizing the fear of the Lord. It's only by realizing that it's not about us that God then says, fear not. It's about our perspective. It's about who we are in the face of God. And then even in that reality, God still calls us his children. We are children of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This is the foundation by which we work out our salvation. We learn to live obediently. That through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be transformed in everything that we are. See, when we try and create this manageable God, what we're actually doing is creating a boring God. Nobody is willing to dedicate their lives to a boring God. Nobody is willing to dedicate their lives that are just a reproduction of us. We need to have a true picture of who God is. We need to be sharing that true picture of who God is so that people can know the amazing life that he offers us is real. When our lives are transformed by him, that's when he can show people who he is. When people see that the way we live is different, it becomes the very thing that causes people to ask, why? Why is your life different? This is why Paul goes on in verse 14 to say, 
Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and wicked generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. When you follow God, Paul says, do so without complaining or infighting. We need to do so in a way that is above reproach. Paul's not saying you need to be perfect. Paul's not saying you have to have it all together. We are all people who are in process. What he's saying is in everything that you do, work to live out your salvation. Be a reflection of the hope that we have in a relationship with Jesus. Strive to be above reproach so that we can shine as lights in the world. So that we can shine as lights in the world. To show other people the true and abundant life that comes with Jesus. This isn't about behavior modification. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. Jesus came to make dead things alive. This is about truly living our lives the way in which God designed us to live. And we do so by verse 16, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain by hanging on to the gospel of Jesus. The word that we translate holding fast here does mean to hang on, but it was also used often in the context of offering up, like offering a guest your house, in your house a beverage. So by holding fast to the gospel of Jesus, we are also sharing the gospel of Jesus with others. We give others the same life-sustaining message, the same truth that we have been given. The thing that transforms our lives. Work out your salvation. So what does this look like for us? How do we work out our salvation? A line that I'm going to be stealing from Pastor Kevin in this that I think he stole from Stephen Furtick is, it's time to work it in so he can work it out. In other words, it's time to put in the work of being obedient to Jesus so that he can work through us. To do that, we need to shift our focus. We need to shift our perspective. We need to focus on who God is. When our perspective of God is in the right place, it impacts the way in which we live our lives. When we view God as this safe and controllable person, we oftentimes treat God like a genie. That when we need our wishes fulfilled, we can pray to him and he'll take care of it. Instead, we need to recognize him as the Lord of our lives. The creator of the universe. When we keep the reality of who God is in focus, it also helps us to remember that we are who he says we are. We're his children. We're valued. We are loved. But we need to remember who God is. We also need to focus on what God has done. We need to remember the gospel. Our lives aren't lived to earn salvation. But out of an outpouring of his salvation, our lives should be transformed. When you look at your life, what things do you make a priority? What do you focus on? Does your life reflect the gospel of Jesus or does it reflect the gospel of fill in your name? We need to focus on what God has done so that he can transform our lives. 
And when we focus on who God is, when we focus on what God has done, we need to also focus on sharing him with others. Our lives need to reflect what he wants for us. When our lives reflect that, we can share him with other people in a way that can be amazingly life-transforming. He can get a hold of them in amazing ways and do incredible things in their lives. Sometimes this does mean we need to sacrifice our own will for his will. Sometimes, though, in the pursuit of following God, we try and remove all our own desires and all of our own passions. And sometimes those things are actually the thing God wants to use to do something great through us. So we need to be careful to make sure that we're not throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Allow God to use us when our desires become more like his desires because we are living obediently to him. He can use our desires and our passions to transform the world around us for him. The easiest way for us to know whether that's where we are or not is to spend time in the word. When we use the word as a test, God can show us the things in our lives that are of him. He can show us that he can use us and our unique gifts, our interests, our life, our passions to impact the world around us. But they have to be in line with his desires and his passions. How does God want to use your life right now? How does God want to use you to share him with the world around him? How have you been doing it your way instead of living obediently to the mission that God has placed before you. I want to challenge you this week. Spend some time reflecting on that reality. Spend some time thinking through, how am I choosing my choices over God's? How am I willfully being disobedient? Right now, we have this incredible opportunity in front of us, but it's one that's going to require us to be a little more creative. We can serve the world around us and offer hope in ways that we couldn't otherwise. Because right now, the world needs it. It's a very uncertain and fearful place. Maybe it's getting involved with some of the things you heard Pastor Chad mention earlier today. Maybe it's us just learning to be more creative and find new ways to help reach people within our new context. What are some ideas that you have that we can serve or be involved with sharing hope in other people's lives. Share some ideas with us. Whether it's in the chat here in this video, whether it's by leaving a comment because you watched the video later, you can shoot me an email, dcolbertson at grandpoint.church. You can jump on our social media. Shoot us a message through that. Let us come up with some small and tangible ways that we can work out our salvation while offering hope to the world around us in the middle of this quarantine. We need to shift our perspective, recognize who God is, and live our lives by working out our salvation in every aspect of who we are. Let me pray for us. Father God, we just come before you in awe of who you are. Father God, I just pray so much that you can help each and every one of us recognize just with supreme clarity how incredible and awesome you are and how small and insignificant we are in regards to you. God, I just pray that 
in that realization, you also remind us that we are your children, that you valued us to the point of sending your son to die for our sakes. God, I just pray that you remind us of this every day. Allow us to live our lives out in the manner in which you desire us to. Allow us to experience life the way we're designed to live and help us to share your name and your life with the world around us. God, in the middle of this quarantine, I just pray for all those who are struggling through this process. I pray for those who are dealing with real and hard times. Father God, allow us to be the hands and feet of your mission here. Allow us to serve the people that we can. And allow us to just continually shine your light in the world around us. We love you and we praise your holy name. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us today. I am just so grateful that we could be here together to worship. Um, Check out Grand Point United on Facebook and Instagram um, to be able to stay in contact with us throughout the week. We've got a few things we like to post for you guys. We will see you all next Sunday. Uh, For our last week of this series, Refocus, Um, we'll be together here at 945 on YouTube, 5 o'clock on Facebook. Have a great week and keep working out your relationship with Jesus. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week.